welcome, welcome. Good magical evening. Good day, folks. Good on ya. Good, good on ya, mate. Good. Oh. <laughs> I hope you're having a good time whatever day you're listening to this. Hope you're having just a magical, magical evening, day, morning, night, midnight. If you listen to this in the middle of the night, please stop. Please wait, wake weirdo. up and listen. Okay, um... Uh, this is Soapy and Gina, and <laughs> we just want to give you a quick uh, warning. This is going to be a very um, gruesome telling of a true crime that happened here. So, um, just a fair warning. We are not trying to romanticize any of the crimes that have gone on but this is a true event that has happened here and that is why we think it is important to be sharing with everyone but just know this one does go into detail of um rape sexual assault murder abuse all of the above so um i actually wasn't going to do this one because i thought it was too much uh it's the i5 killer but, you know, I thought, here we are, right next to I-5. For those of us who are, have become more desensitized because of the years of Criminal Minds we've watched, I hope you are enjoying the... the uh, there's not really a... It's kind of hard because when you're like, I like reading up about murders. People are like, so you're crazy? Yeah. But it's just like, I think it's fascinating because we're so... Like, if you're not a psycho, you have so much empathy and love for others that you're like... It's just, like, very interesting to learn about. Because you don't get it. Exactly. We don't get it all. And it it seems like fiction to us, so it's like a story, even though it is real. So we don't mean, obviously, in all of our episodes, any disrespect to victims or anyone involved in it. And these these are real things that have happened to real people. Mm -hmm. And so that is why we think we should not censor it, because this is stuff that happens in real life. So, yeah. It should be known that there are people like this. And learning more here. about this stuff, you can just become more aware of your actions. And obviously, never victim blaming, but you can see different situations, how you can get out a lot of times. and Fight um, back. Always fight back. Exactly. Always try to punch them in, punch them in the face. Punch them in the peen. The put eyes, your fingers in their eyeballs. Nose. Um, when I was little, we, when I, I'm sorry, I just interrupted you, but I just got a flashback of when I was little. Um... And I waited for the bus, like the school bus. I walked up and I would be by myself. But I remember my mom going, if someone tries to take you, punch them in the, what did she say? She groin? Said, yeah. I think she did say groin. As hard as you can. Yeah. Run. Literally. Like, yeah. It's, what? um, I forget what TV show it is. It's like a super long acronym for like punch them in the groin and go. It's like an, I think it was, a, it might have been Arrested Development or The Office or something where they say that. But literally. And, but that. you never know how people you, how you're going to react in a situation, and that's exactly. why, um, yeah, you never know. So, and you can't do anything about it. What has yep. happened? Exactly. But so listen up, frick politeness. Frick politeness, so true. As our faves, my favorite murder, because I, um, I already, t- I won't obviously go into this. But I mentioned this to, like, my friends before, how um, I was, like, alone on a bus, and I was in the very back. And if you've gone on a bus, there's, like, steps. And I was in the back alone, and this guy was like, can I sit next to you? And he was just very bad vibes, like, very creepy. And I was like, you can sit over there, like, a blank seat. Like, I wasn't even rude. I was just like, their entire bus is empty, sir. Yeah. And Josh was like, Josh was like, you didn't let him sit next to you. What if you need to sit there? I was like, the whole bus was open. 
Yeah, and then, or, like, today, um, when the guy was talking to himself, and he was, like, right outside the car, mm-hmm. and so I locked the doors, and we were like, we don't want to be rude, but also, <laughs> you are talking to yourself. Yeah. No, I don't even think it was that story he made a comment about. It was about, I was telling him how Ted Bundy would pretend that he was injured and have people load things into his car, and I was like, no adult man needs a young woman's help getting that in. Not trying or, to be sexy, saying you're not strong. But I'm just saying, ask another dude. And Josh's like, that's rude. What if you need help? I'm like, I don't care if it's rude. I yeah. don't want to get murdered. Exactly. But a frick politeness. In situations like that, in other situations, always use your manners. Ex- <laughs> say please and thank you to hold the door open for people. Exactly. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so this is going to be a very uh, hard one to read and I'm sure very hard to listen to. So if you don't... We completely understand if you don't want to tune yeah, in. Yeah, so. We're back. Feel free to go yeah. back to the comedy ghost stories. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're going to have lots of those. But we also have to represent a lot of the Pacific Northwest. There's a lot of really gruesome crimes like this. And it wouldn't be an accurate representation if we just exactly. chose the weird ghost stories and stuff like that. True, because so. there are a lot of things that happen here. Unfortunate and yeah. unsettling events. Uh, a series of unfortunate events. <clears throat> So, here we go. This is the I-5 Killer, I-5 Bandit. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. So, now I'll never go on I-5 again. <laughs> if you guys don't know, I-5, it's Interstate 5. We call it I-5. California calls it the 5. Which really? I think is weird. Yeah. We call like, it? oh, the 5. I'm like, 5 what? That's I-5. Uh, okay, so. Which is going from Washington to California. Correct, Amundo? Don't. have no idea. I just know I drive it every day. Oh, perfect. I'll look up a map right now, but keep talking. A native of Oregon, uh, he's, he's, his last name is Woodfield, so we're, it just refers to him by Woodfield. A native of Oregon, Woodfield was the third child of a prominent Newport family. He began to exhibit abnormal behaviors during his teenage years. Teenage years, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And was arrested for indecent exposure while still in high school. Gross. An athlete for much of his life, Woodfield played as a wide receiver for the Portland State Vikings and was drafted by the NFL in 1974 to play for the Green Bay Packers, but was cut from the team during training after a series of indecent exposure arrests. So, um... So was he just nakey-nakey? Nakey-nakey all the time. His name is Randall Brent Woodfield. That's my dad's name. I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's born December 26, 1950. In, 19, oh, oh, in 1975, Woodfield began a string of robberies and sexual assaults on women in Portland, which he committed at knife point. Between 1980 and 1981, he committed multiple murders in cities along the I-5 corridor in Washington, Oregon, and California. His earliest documented murder was that of Sherry Ayers, a former classmate who he had known since childhood in December 1980. He's been named one of the deadliest serial killers in American history. It's so Childhood. interesting because I've never heard of him. I've heard the name I-5 Killer. I might have too, but I just don't know. Like, I still don't even know any of the details. If you guys didn't know, we don't tell each other before yeah. what we're going to say. It's like... Surprise! It's a surprise, so all of our reactions are genuine. And if I'm not saying anything, I'm obviously thinking. I just don't want to... Like, some of these things, there's yeah. nothing to say. It's like, he... Flabbergasted. Yeah, he was like, no, cool, cool. Woodfield was born December 26, 1950 in Salem, Oregon. Why are literally all the people that kill people know. from Salem? Because if you guys didn't listen to our Mother's Day episode, go back and listen if this episode's scaring you. From. 
Yeah, it's where my mommy's from and where all my family, and by all my family, I mean my one grandmother <laughs> and my aunt live. Um, but, and like all my all cousins. All Happy okay, Face was related there. Yeah. Freaking Richard Lawrence Marquette, yeah. Diane Downs, so many. So many in Salem, which is, I mean, I get it why you'd be driven to kill. Freaking Salem's the saddest place on earth. It's just <laughs> gray and cement and boring. Industrialized. Exactly. No green. So he's the third child of an upper middle class family. His mother was a homemaker and his father was an executive at Pacific Northwest Bell. He had two older sisters, one of whom went on to become a doctor and the other an attorney. The Woodfield family was well known and respected in their community. Woodfield was raised on Otter Rock, Oregon, a small seaside town on the Oregon coast, approximately eight miles north of Newport. Popular among his peels, peel, peers... Um, he was a football star in Newport High School. Though his, high, his childhood was, by all accounts, stable, Woodfield began to exhibit sexually dysfunctional behaviors during junior high, particularly exposing himself in public. That seems to be a trend. I don't know. I'm just feeling like that. Bro, my legs are so sweaty right now. It is I feel probably disgusting. 95 degrees in this room. Oh, yeah. If you guys didn't know... um. It is 91 degrees outside, and we have no, we're have no. we filming in a non-air-conditioned room with no breeze, and only one window is cracked open. Yeah, because the, the windows only crack. Crack. Say crack. Okay, my hair is going to look hane for the next hour, but I literally... It's too hot. My neck is so sweaty. Okay. Okay. Um, while in high school, he exposed himself to a group of young teenage girls on Aww. some bridge, and was arrested for indecent exposure. His football coaches helped counsel or conceal the incidents and present. I am so sorry. I am illiterate. <laughs> the coaches helped conceal the incident to prevent him from being ousted from the team. Uh, those parents forced him to attend therapy. Yeah, good. Literally, go to therapy. It I did hope not he ate help. cereal while he was spilling his tea. Yeah, himself. though it did not help. Uh-huh. He's a kind of handsome dude. That's a picture. He looks like a football star. He was. But he couldn't keep it in his pants. So we don't like that at all. He was six foot one. Also, I talk, little side note, I talked to Dave about Ted Bundy and how people think he's hot. He was hot. And he goes, I wouldn't consider him hot. I think being not ugly and being hot are two different things. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I was like, I respect that, Dave. I think he's ugly because he's just like has such a horrible heart. Yeah, and it everything shines that he's through disgusted. his And his, like, eyes. smile. Oh, oh, my gosh. Ew. So this guy's freaking nasty. I haven't seen... I think when you see videos and stuff, it makes it more... So much worse. Because you're like, oh, it's not just words on a page or a picture. Like, it's... Yeah. You, you're a person. That's so weird. So after graduating high school, Woodfield's crimi- criminal record was expunged. Expunged. That means, like, it's cleared. Hmm. Awesome. The things <laughs> they do for football stars, crazy. Oh, yeah crazy and he attended treasure valley community college in ontario oregon later transferring to portland state university in portland 1970 where he played for the portland state vikings as a wide receiver is that where dave went or did he go to some university in portland right there's university of portland then portland state where do you go portland state i don't know wait portland state that doesn't make any sense it'll just be portland universe portland state it is portland state oh it is yeah I know they're the Portland Pilots. I know one of them is that because my friend goes. To this is the Vikings. So there must be two. I'm not yeah, sure. I wonder, maybe David. I wonder what Dave went to though. Hmm. Wonder if he the went to time. school with him. No, this is too long ago. Oh yeah, literally Dave's the just six, a baby. 60s or seventies. 
Uh, at Portland yet. State, he was active in Campus Crusade for Christ, a Christian student group. Shameful. And, li- <laughs> and lived in an apartment located on South Park Blocks. Gary Hamlet, Woodfield's football coach, recalled, quote, When he was with me, he was the nicest, most gentlemanly kid I ever knew. He was quiet and polite, hardworking, and real coachable. He sucked in everything I tried to coach him. Uh, other teammates and peers of Woodfield recalled him as soft-spoken and kind of a loner who didn't have a lot of friends but noted, noted his athletic capabilities. Despite his thriving in college, Woodfield was arrested on several occasions for petty crimes. First, 1970 for vandalizing the apartment of his ex-girlfriend. That's fine. Whatever. And later, in 1972, for public indecency in Vancouver, Washington. Like, I don't understand public indecency. Do you just want to make them uncomfortable? I don't know why or, he kept doing it. I'll look it up. Some sort of fetish? Yeah, maybe. I don't... Look at my wiener. In 1973, he was arrested again for public indecency, so one year later. Woodfield chose to drop out of college three semesters shy of graduating with his Bachelor in Science in Physical Education and was selected as a wide receiver in the 1974 NFL Draft by the Green Bay Packers. Wow. Oh, okay, I found something. So it's called exhibitionism. It's the disorder, a condition marked by an urge, fantasy, or act of exposing one's genitals to non-consenting people, particularly strangers. This condition is considered a paraphilic disorder, which... Paraphilic disorder, thank you, Claire, which refers to persistent, intense, atypical sexual arousal patterns that are accompanied by clinically significant distress or impairment. Gross. It affects 2 to 4% of the male population. That's too much. That's, that's 2 to 4% too much. Dang. Okay, back to your story. Sorry, took okay. your thunder there. Uh, Woodfield tried to establish himself with the Packers during coach and general... Oh, okay, sorry. (laughs) Restart. Woodfield tried to establish himself with the Packers coach. One more time. Woodfield tried to establish himself with the Packers during coach and general manager Dan Devine's last season. Mr. Devine? But could not shake his problems with a trip across the country. Okay. He signed a contract in February 1974, but was cut during training camp, failing to make his team's final roster. After being cut by the Packers, Woodfield played in the 1974 season with the semi-pro Manitowoc Chiefs. Mm-hmm. All those football fans are screaming in their cars, blacking out and crashing, because I can't pronounce things. It's crazy how much... Like, they have to cover up for football stars because athleticism is such an important thing in America. Like, I think it's, it's weird. They make so much money. It's ridiculous. Baseball like, players? nurses deserve... You know what I mean? People who save lives, not just people who catch an old freaking thing of pig skin. I think that's insane. Average baseball player salary. Oh, yeah. $3.4 million is the average I feel- for Major League Baseball. It just, like, some of them just get really angry because I just think about how that could, like, go to people, like, in Sudan right now or something like that. You know, some anything. Just anyone who, like, they worked hard. I'm like, you don't work that hard. They I'm sorry. stand there. That's why baseball players are chubby. They stand in the outfield. Yeah. Football, I get Whatever. Somewhat. Yeah. I don't get it, bro. 
Okay. Whatever. Dude, I'm literally slipping in sweat on this chair. It's disgusting. Stop. It's so hot in here, guys. We are doing this for you. Oh, my gosh. Um, a similar arrest in Portland earned him more suspended time in June 1973 and 1974 after a dozen fl- flashing incidents called unwelcome attention to Woodfield. The Packers formally cut him from the NFL. Wow. Do a background check. What? I don't know why that's not more of a common thing. <laughs> or when they see something like indecent exposure, 12 incidents. They're like, oh, we'll just send, we'll just, um... Cover that up and he'll, he won't do it again. Yeah. You're like, hey, promise. It was just a 12-time thing. Woodfield loved Wisconsin in late 1974 and returned to Portland, disgraced by his failure to maintain his football career. In early 1975, several Portland women were accosted by a knife-yielding man forced to perform um, different sexual acts and then robbed of their handbags. Sorry, oh it says very vivid stuff that I'm cutting out. Law enforcement responded to the string of crimes by having female police officers act as decoys. I could not do that. I could. Literally, they're, I'm going to say they're braver than the troops. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that. On March 3rd, 1975, Woodfield was arrested after being caught with marked money from one of the undercover officers. Upon interrogation, he confessed to the crimes, blaming poor sexual impulse control, which he claimed was a result of the use of his steroids. 1975 of April, he pled guilty to reduced charges of second-degree robbery. So he was only charged of robbery. Not? Not rape. Awesome. Um, Woodfield was sentenced to 10 years in prison, but was freed on parole in 1979 after having served four years. Mm, four the years. Fact, wait, how many did he do? How many women were affected by um, what? Who he robbed and raped? It just says several Portland women. Several means more than three because yeah. there's a few. Five's like a handful, I would say. Because five's a hand, you know. Never actually thought about that till now. Wow. wow. Realization. <laughs> um, so let's just say five to seven women, and they get ten years. And just for robbery. Because what? Were they like, they can't prove it? They, he held them at knife point and forced them to per- perform sexual acts, then robbed them of their handbags. And he got four years for robbery. This justice system is not just. No, it is not. And there's a rage boiling within me. Hee hee hee. Does it almost make you want to go into politics? Yeah. I um, get why people want to, but then it's like they're all just liars. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh. Have you, did you watch the movie or heard of um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez? No. Oh, the 28-year-old in New York who just got elected to Congress? Wow. Yeah. She's really awesome. You should watch the movie. It's called Knocking Down the House on Netflix. Go check it out. Support your lady politicians. On October 9th, 1980, Sherry Ayers, an extra technician and former classmate of Woodfield, was raped and murdered in her apartment on the 9,000 block of Southwest 9th Place in downtown Portland. Her body was discovered on October 11th by her fiancé. She had been bludgeoned and stabbed repeatedly in the neck. Ayers, oh. a University of Oregon graduate, had known Woodfield since second grade, mm. having attended the same schools in Newport. 
During Woodfield's prior four-year imprisonment, he and Ayers had con corresponded via letters. Suspecting Woodfield's involvement, Ayers' family provided his name to law enforcement. He's questioned but refused to sit for a polygraph test. Okay, yeah. immediate guilt. Yeah, then you're immediate, immediately guilty because you're innocent. You're like, yeah, take my polygraph. It's like with your parents, if you ask them a question about, like, their youth, and you're like, have you ever been arrested? And they, if they're like, I'm not going to tell you, that means yes. Otherwise, they just say no. Exactly. It's like, either tell me, there's no. I'll just do that to my kids just to confuse them. Right. Back to you do drugs. I'm like, I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, my, mo my mom's a crackhead. <laughs> Homicide detectives found his answers generally evasive and deceptive, but because his blood type did not match the semen found on the victim's body, no charges were filed. Awesome. Literally not All okay. of these awesomes are sarcastic, he by did, the way. He did it. He's guilty. A month later, on the morning of November 27th, Thanksgiving Day, Woodfield arrived in North Portland at a home of Darcy Renee Fix, who's 22, planning to assault her. Woodfield had known Fix during college as an ex-girlfriend of one of his close friends, Douglas Keith. Oh, Douglas Keith, who was 24, was at Fix's home when Woodfield arrived. Both Fix, both Fix and Keith were subsequently bound and shot to death execution style in the home, and Fix's 22 caliber revolver revolver was missing from the scene wait why is he called the i-5 killer did he do it all along the i-5 yeah just wait okay okay due to his acquaintance with with fix woodfield was questioned in the murders but law enforcement found no concrete evidence pointing to it to his involvement so these two murders and the first murder of sherry Ayers, he was not convicted or in trouble for any of those because they said oh we can't prove it yeah said <sighs> Okay. Okay. Uh, so this is why he was nicknamed the I-5 Bandit at first. Okay. Um, after committing the murders of Fix and Keith, Woodfield began a series of robberies throughout the Northwest. December 9th, 1980, Woodfield, wearing a fake beard, held up a Vancouver, Washington gas station at gunpoint. In Eugene, Oregon, four nights later, December 13th, he raided an ice cream parlor. On December 14th, he robbed a drive-in drive restaurant in Albany. During one of the robberies, Woodfield wore what appeared to be a band-aid or athletic tape across the bridge of his nose, similar to nasal strips worn by football players. December 21st, Woodfield, again wearing a false beard, accosted a waitress in Seattle, trapping her in a restaurant bathroom, and assaulted her at gunpoint. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, a waitress in her own restaurant. Mm. January 1981, law enforcement had dubbed the robber the I-5 Bandit, giving his apparent preference for committing crimes along the Interstate 5 corridor. January 8th, he held up the same Vancouver gas station he'd robbed in December, this time forcing a female to attendant to expose her breasts after he emptied the cash in the register. It's literally so terrifying. I feel like at gunpoint, too, like, you would almost do anything. Yeah. You know, or at knife. At I would, knife point, I would do, Literally yeah. so scary. Being stabbed. Oh. S bludgeoned. Scarier than a gun. Yeah, for sure. Because guns, like, faster and less. Yeah. I'm not saying it's less pain. It's a different pain than being stabbed. Ew, 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 ew. 
Three days oh. later, January 11th, he robbed a market in Eugene. The next day, January 12th, he shot a wounded female grocery clerk in a oh. store in Sutherland, Oregon. Still getting away with everything. This is literally how. I don't even know, and he's not even, like, calculated, it doesn't seem. It's all just hastily done. January 14th, a man matching the description of the I-5 bandit wearing a false beard invaded a home occupied by two sisters aged 8 and 10. No. He forced the girls to disrobe and sexually assaulted them. Four days later, in Salem, a man matching the same description entered an office building and sexually abused two women, Sherry Hull and Beth Wilmot, after which he killed Hull and wounded Wilmot, leaving her for dead. On January 26th and 29th, he traveled to Southern Oregon and committed robberies in Eugene, Medford, and Grants Pass. In the latter location, two females, a clerk, and a customer were assaulted by the robber. Hmm. Literally going on a spree. Yeah, this is a mass murder. And it's interesting because all the first ones were people he knew, you know? Like two people he had gone to school with. Like, I wonder what changed. Because in a lot of, like, what we were uh, talking about the other day on, um, like, the history behind socio and psychopaths and serial kills and everything, it was usually, like, strangers, you know? Mm-hmm. So they felt distant, like, oh, it's just another person. But when yeah. you know them, it's kind of like, hmm. It's interesting it's a mixture because sometimes it's all people. A lot of times they don't do ones they know because they don't want to be, right. s- like, a suspect. Exactly. So it's interesting. Maybe he was confident enough he wouldn't get caught that he, like, didn't care. <laughs> Man. February 3rd, 1981, the bodies of Donna Eckerd, 37, and her 14-year-old daughter mm. were found in a bed in their home at Mountain Gate, California, north of Redding. Each had been shot several times in the head. Forensic tests showed that the girl had also been sodomized. The same day in Reading, a female store clerk was kidnapped, raped, and sodomized in a holdup. An identical crime was reported in Eureka. Do you know? It's yeah. with a Y. Oh, weird. Y-R-E-K-A. It's usually Eureka. for Eureka. That's Isn't it E? Oh, yep. <laughs> On February 4th, with the same man robbing an Ashland, Oregon motel that night. Five days later in Corvallis... A man matching the I-5 bandit's description held up a fabric store, molesting the clerk and her customer before he left. February 12, 1981, robberies committed by a man matching the I-5 bandit's description occurred in Vancouver, Olympia, and Bellevue, Washington. The Olympia and Bellevue incidents included three sexual assaults. Upon an impending visit to Portland, Woodfield planned a Valentine's Day party at the city's downtown Marriott Hotel, inviting friends and acquaintances from college. After no guests came, Woodfield drove to Beaverton, home of an 18-year-old Julie Reitz, whom Woodfield had met while working as a bouncer at the Fawcett, a bar in Portland. He arrived at her home around 2 a.m., February 15th, around and around 4 a.m., he raped, then shot Reitz in the head, killing her. Police investigated the scene, determined that Reitz had had a glass of wine with her attacker and had also been prepared, had also begun to prepare a coffee. A package of instant coffee was discovered on the kitchen counter and water in the kettle had been left to completely boil down. It's literally so sad. I know. 
On February 28th, the investigation was now focused on Woodfield, but by then the I-5 bandit had struck three more times. Eugene, February 18th and 21st, another sexual assault in Corvallis on February 25th. Detectives in Marion County assembled a call log showing Woodfield had placed calls via calling cards at payphones near the murder sites around the times they were committed. Hmm. Did it show who he was calling? It doesn't say. Because it doesn't seem like he has anyone. Yeah. Because I know we talked about on the kind of the psychology and history of serial killers. It was talking about how if it's something, it's like the one thing they can control if they don't have control in their life. Because um, he got kicked off his football team and doesn't sound like, like none of his friends came. He can't control his life. Right. And how people perceive him. And so he's like, well, I can control them in this situation. So I think that's a lot of times. And maybe the indecency thing, too. Yeah. It's like they have to pay attention to him, maybe that, too. Right. I don't know, man. It's wild. There's so the many. The white man is a Literally mystery. reading it fast because there's so many of them. Yeah, that's so sad. How many total? Let me tell you. It says between 18 and 44. That's 44 too many. Yeah, okay. Um, Karma has something special for you brewing, <laughs> sir. God, I know. Oh. Um, March 5th, 1981, Woodfield was brought into the Salem Police Department for an interrogation after Lisa Garcia positively identified him in a photo lineup. For some reason, I was like, I don't know. Okay, his apartment in Springfield, Oregon, was subsequently searched two days later by warrant. Inside, law enforcement discovered a spent 33 cat shell casing inside a, a racket ball bag. Did not know that's how a racket was spilled. Oh, like with a Q? Yeah. And a weird... I was like, requette ball? <laughs> a requette bog? A requette No, at the bag. Y, we have racket ball. Because it was born in, like... It was born... It was built in, like, wasn't it, like, the, is it 50s or 60s that that was thing? Popular? Whatever it was popular is when it was built. So then we have, like, a ton, we have, like, eight racquetball cords. Um, in a racquetball bag, as well as a round of tape that matched the tape found on the victims. March 7th, Woodfield was taken into custody after being positively identified by several Oregon robbery victims. March 16th. Indictments for murder, rape, sodomy, attempted killing, armed robbery, and illegal possession of firearms were initiated from various jurisdictions in Washington and Oregon. Hmm. In summer of 1981, Woodfield was tried in Salem for the murder of Hull as well as charges of sodomy and attempted murder. Uh, Wilmot, the woman he uh, attempted to murder, testified against against him in trial and was key in the prosecution's conviction. You go. (laughs) Um, Chris Van Dyke, son of actor Dick Van Dyke. Can you imagine (laughs) that being your name? Van Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Sad. Terrible. Uh, Was the Marion County, Oregon District Attorney at the time and prosecuted the case. Van Dyke would later characterize Woodfield as the coldest, most detached defendant I've ever seen. Oh my God. June 26, 1981, after three and a half hours of deliberation, 
Woodfield was convicted on all accounts and sentenced to life prison plus 90 years. Ugh. Thank you. Ugh. Finally. Such a relief. One year for every crime he committed and you didn't do anything, right? Exactly. One year for every indecent exposure that got covered up by the NFL. Literally. I think that, like, I forget who told me this, but they were saying, like, when you do the death penalty, it's like you're giving them, not giving them what they want, but, like, it's so easy. Because, like, I'll just kill these people and then I die. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But if they're just in solitary confinement forever, I feel like that's way worse. Oh, way worse. Can you imagine being in solitary for life? In October 1981, a second trial was held in Benton County in which Woodfield received sodomy and weapon charges tied to one of the attacks in a best restroom bathroom sorry restaurant bathroom that was in seattle that in a restroom bathroom in a restroom bathroom uh prior to his trial his counsel attempted to move the trial from willamette valley he felt that owing to the publicity the case received woodfield would not get a fair trial there the judge in the case denied the counsel's request along with a request to hypnotize a prosecution witness in an effort to determine if that witness had been influenced by media coverage. Can you imagine being like the court-appointed lawyer to someone like him? Like he has to have a lawyer. Or Bundy. Awful. Bundy's would be more believable though. Yeah, because he could probably convince him. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine being that lawyer? How would you, how would you defend a man like that? I would just do a really bad job. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like he kind of sucks, but uh, he says he didn't do it. Just like keep blank. But then you'd freaking be scared the other dude would get mad at you and like try and kill you. So I don't know. So he's convicted by the jury and then had an additional thirty five years added to his. I want to do jury sentence. dirty, dirty. Jury, jury, d- jury duty so bad. Jury duty. My grandma has wanted to do it all her life, and she's never been called for it. My really? mom gets it. I think my mom's gotten it. My dad did it, and he wouldn't tell us what it was. He was like, I took an oath. And we're all like, you can tell us. And he's like, nope. Everyone. And then afterward, he's know. like, it was a car accident. <laughs> like, it wasn't uh, even anything. That crazy. We're not ready for you yet, Dave. Oh. We're doing I-5 Killer. Almost done, though. Oh, cool. Woodfield is serving a sentence in... Uh, Oregon at the Oregon State Penitentiary in Salem. Same place that freaking Richard Lawrence Marquette is at. Awesome sauce. I wonder if they're best buds. I hope that they both get killed in prison. (laughs) In October 1983, he was injured by a fellow inmate during a prison disturbance. What if it was Dick Marquette? That's what they call him. (laughs) Just kidding, I made that up. In April 1987, Woodfield filed a 12 million libel suit against author Anne Rule, freaking Bundy's lady, the true crime author who had written the I-5 killer. The account of Woodfield's life and crime spree had become a best-selling book in 1984. Are you sure Anne Rule was his girlfriend? I thought it was Yeah, and she wrote the else. book, The Stranger Beside Me. Oh. Dang, she came out. I think after it was both. his girlfriend. Or I feel like it was a journalist and not her. Co-worker? Who's a co-worker? Oh. Thank you, Dave. Yep, false advertising. Sorry, Fake Dave. news. Don't <laughs> listen to us. Just a co-worker. What was the girlfriend's name? Um, Lily Collins. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I don't know. Okay. Uh, 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 uh. 
Uh, the federal court in Oregon dismissed the lawsuit in January of 1988, citing that the statute of limitations on such a lawsuit had been exhausted. The statute of limitations is freaking stupid. I understand why it exists in some situations, but heck, it's dumb. It is. It, it's yeah. like you murdered your, a family 20 years ago. Well, can't put you in prison now. I feel like it depends on the severity of the crime. For sure. I think in certain aspects it should just be not a thing. By 1990, after the discovery of more victims, Woodfield was suspected in as many as 44 homicides. Ew! That is like the Green River Killer. 44 homicides. And I haven't, I didn't hear that much about him. Yeah. So it was I-5 because he killed among, along the I-5? Along the I-5 corridor. Washington, Oregon, California, most mostly Washington, Oregon. In 19, and I mean, in, in 2001 and Close. 2006, DNA testing linked Woodfield to uh, two more additional murders in Oregon oh that occurred goodness. from 1980 to 1981. During his time in the penitentiary, Woodfield has married three times and divorced twice. No! Yes. You're kidding. Meaning you can get married in prison? still married. I guess. Is he alive still? Yeah. He's 60 years icky, old. Icky, 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 icky. He's 60. Richard Marquette is 82. Icky, icky. In the same place. I hope they get beat in prison. Me too. I hope they beat each other up. Yeah. Some letters to Dahmer. Wrote, didn't Dahmer get beat to death, he said? Yeah, that's how he died. blowing a kiss. Some letters he wrote from prison were eventually sold online as a collection titled The Serial Killer Letters and published by the Charles Press. In one of these letters he wrote to journalist Jennifer Furio. You only care to know why murders are striking out in anger or rage. How should I know? What a question, Jenny. Care to write more personally? Share a photo? Talk once by phone? Your choice. Chow. He signed it, Chow. Ew. Ew. <laughs> I'm never saying Chow again. Chow. <laughs> Randall Woodfield. Oops. That is bad so the majority of his victims were petite white women in their 20s many of middle class backgrounds a great deal of his victims particularly in instances of robbery and sexual assault were young employees of restaurants and convenience stores located along interstate 5 which he traversed in his 1974 champagne edition gold volkswagen beetle no Yes. No. Absolutely not. If you guys um aren't true crime fanatics, you wouldn't know that Ted Bundy also had a Volkswagen Beetle that he would pretend to be injured and then hit women with crowbars and then throw them in the back seat. So literally, don't trust people with beetles. Anymore. Literally, even though they're so they are cute, cute but both of these serial guys. Sorry, my foot itches. In some instances, Woodfield's attacks were undertaken entirely at random while others the murders were uh, uh, provoked by rejected sexual advances his level of acquaintance with his victims varied some he knew personally while others were complete strangers which is kind of why it's weird you mm -hmm. know it's a weird mo for sure 
Uh, during his robberies, assaults, and killings, Woodfield typically concealed his identity by wearing a hoodie and a fake beard. Most curiously, a strip of athletic tape across his nose. Isn't that weird in all of them? Tape across his nose? Very weird. Police believe Woodfield may have done so to obscure his features and prevent victims from identifying him in a police lineup. And they would probably be remembering, like, oh, I'm going to remember he has this tape on his nose. You know what I mean? Like, it's something that they're going to hold on to. They're going to kind of forget. Like, what were the color of his eyes? Like, I don't know. They're looking at the tape. Yeah. I think it's kind of... smart. Yeah. I like it. Kind of smart. Woodfield's victims were typically killed via gunshot, and his crimes were sexually motivated. Jim Lawrence, a detective for Portland's Cold Case Unit, noted Woodfield's lack of remorse or responsibility in his crimes, saying... If you're talking about someone moving towards some form of rehabilitation, they had to do it. They had to at some point acknowledge they're responsible for their own behaviors. That is not Randy Woodfield. Lawrence also noted Woodfield's egotism during his early interrogations. When he was interviewed, he'd tell detectives he'd never rape a girl. He said he didn't have to, they wanted him. <sighs> Anne Rule, who documented Woodfield's crimes in her book, The I 5 Killer, suggested that rejection and feelings of inadequacy were factors that drove him to violence, particularly against women. She also characterized Woodfield as a smooth-with-the-ladies man whose good looks and disposition added aided to his ability to trap victims. See, what I don't get is if they were so good with women and they were so attractive and charming, then why did they have to do these things? It's psychological. Yeah. Which is why it's confusing, you know? Yeah, and like obviously we're not these, in their heads. So these we get football it. stars in Bundy, who is popular also, you know? Because mm-hmm. they probably think just like, they, they're like, you must. But yeah. like, if anyone goes up to you, even if they're like cute or whatever, yeah. you're, they're not, no one's going to say, <clears throat> okay. Yeah, maybe he thinks like he said, like kind of how he said it, like when he did when he did sexually assault women, he was like, "Well, they'll want it because I'm attractive." Maybe that was like his thinking, like because maybe he doesn't. Yeah, like I'm doing them a favor. Ew! Ew, I hate this man. What's the time? The fact that he exists. The fact that he's existing still. Yeah, very unfortunate. Sixty-year-old man. No, this old man was walking down the side of the road with a backpack, like, old, old man. And I, like, thought about giving him a ride, and then all I could think about was that these serial killers are, like, old men now. But he looked like the sweetest old man, and he was walking along the side of the road with a backpack. Maybe call him an Uber. Yeah, it's hard. And it's like, I just wish I could be a man sometimes so you can help people, that kind of stuff. Because 90% of the time you won't get... It's not going to be the same situation. Mm-hmm. And Josh will always be like, well, men also... I'm like, you're right, they do, but if you're a young, white, college-age woman, that's kind of most... Not most. A lot of the most popular ones, because, like, we talked the last episode, the less dead epidemic of, right. like, homeless people or prostitutes or um, things like that. Like, things. People like that. My bad. Um, they don't value them as much and so people don't value them as much so it doesn't get as much news coverage and so people don't think people have more empathy for like the white college girls just because they probably know right. one and, and it's like close to home tends to be embraced by society exactly unfortunately so that is why i think it's a bigger deal literally but, so unfortunate yeah 
Well, I think we need to close because I have to go to the bathroom. So. Okay, wait. I'm almost done. Oh, <laughs> take it. I take it all back. Um. So it says, unlike many serial killers whose killing patterns are characterized by intervals or cooling off periods, like we talked about yesterday. Woodfield's murders and other crimes escalated rapidly, increasing in successive frequency. Like, literally days apart. He never confessed to any of the murders of which he's been accused or linked to. Never. How? How do you do that for your... Like, that's so much energy, you know? lying to yourself. Yeah. Though convicted only in the murder of Sherry Hole, Woodfield's been linked to numerous other murders via DNA and other other methods criminologists is that crime criminologists that's yeah. it yep and detectives have provided estimated total numbers of killings ranging from 25 to as many as 44 unsolved homicides wow he's also estimated to have committed at least 60 unsolved rapes the following list is woodfield's confirmed victims but that's from wikipedia so i'm not going to do that but that's that's the i5 killer literally so sad i have one word you yeah and just so many i know and it took them so long i know it's like very uh, very frustrating it is frustrating and i bet at maybe at some extent the cops feel guilty because it's like each time something happens like we can't like prove it like they couldn't prove it and it just kept happening it's like you have to think it's like right. I don't, I, we obviously have no freaking experience in law enforcement so i have no idea what that's like but I don't know, bro. It's crazy that this happens in, like... I, that's not a very popular one that people talk about. No. And it's, like, just as severe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in. Sorry, that one wasn't very funny, but it's, like... It's important. It is important. And, and those are real people, and these things are real, and it's And scary. they deserve to be talked about. They existed. They weren't just something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not him, obviously, the victims. But even though it didn't work for him, remember to go to therapy, guys. <laughs> he tried. He tried and he failed, but keep going. Even you if it's failing. You guys got it. You got it. Tuck go. it out. Walk it, it out. out. Eat it <laughs> in a bowl of cereal. And go to therapy. And have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.